0: Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy.
1: And I'm Eric Olson.
0: You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Okay, we are recording. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. I'm Kevin Daisy, your host, and also the founder of Array Digital. We help law firms fill their pipe their case pipeline with digital marketing and today I have a really awesome guest very successful attorney John Barry welcome to the show
1: thanks so much for having me Kevin
0: yes sir uh, I actually had a friend of mine in high school who was named John Barry and I don't Watch think he's was... a guy <laughs> you look a little more successful than him but um so John yeah again thanks for coming on the show I'm excited to to learn your story and uh, for the audience to kind of learn what you've been able to do, but let's start off by you know hearing your journey, your story. What got you into being an attorney, and uh, you know what's the journey been like to get to where you are today?
1: Some may say I have ne- has an easy path. My father was a trial attorney, a famous trial attorney. Um, he's still licensed and we still pay him but he doesn't come in the office much as in the isn't 80s now. But uh, my father was a uh, Vietnam veteran and in Vietnam he defended the commander of the 5th Special Forces in a murder case. Nixon dismissed the case and uh, that was kind of his first big famous case he moved to New York City where he uh, worked with a guy named Henry Rothblatt and was a well-known criminal defense lawyer and then for family reasons he moved back to Nebraska and he started a practice there in, in the 70s and and so uh, as he was representing people in high-profile cases, whether it was an injury case or a big divorce or a criminal case, he started coming across veterans. And what he noticed was a lot of those veterans had problems. Um, And we called it back then Shell Shock Syndrome. No one had diagnosed post-traumatic stress (laughs) disorder. But there were a lot of veterans that were having issues with divorce or DUI or domestic violence, and it was all related to PTSD. And uh, and so he was helping them get service-connected through the VA so they could get treatment, so they could get benefit. And uh, so that was kind of just part of what he did. Did. And I think that you know, my dad always told me, you never get rich being a criminal defense lawyer, nor should you want <laughs> to be right. So it wasn't a big practice that he wanted to scale. He just wanted to support and defend the Constitution the same way it was when he took that oath and he wanted to help veterans. And uh, so a lot of his friends went into big personal injury. You know, they were all advertising in the 80s on TV with personal injury. But here's the funny thing is he never did any of that advertising. I mean, in fact, I was talking to Harlan Schillinger. I don't know if you know the guy, the godfather of legal marketing, right? And he was helping some of my dad's uh, colleagues get on TV in the 80s. But my dad didn't need that because he was a renaissance man. And he, in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, where we're from, he he was the drive time Lincoln guy from four to six. The radio show was paying him to be on from four to six, and so it was tremendous marketing for his firm. When you're getting paid to be on the most popular radio show at the most popular time, so he did a great job. Now he was a phenomenal trial lawyer, won a lot of famous cases. Uh, you know, tried cases in 24 states. A lawyer's lawyer, but he was a horrible businessman. And so, you know, people, yeah, people tell me, well, you're, yeah, if I if I would have come in and taken over my dad's firm, I'd be doing really well too, but the truth is, that's not how it was. In fact, when I came to the firm, the office manager said, hey, I just want to let you know, this is your inheritance. We're in debt about 50 grand, you know, and here's all the bills coming in. And, and, you know, my dad, he got huge cases, you know, but he just, I think he was too focused on the case. He was never focused on the business. He had a lot of partners at one point, that partnership dissolved because he wasn't watching what was happening to the money, right? And that created some issues and created some distrust with those other partners. I think that that happens in businesses where if you're not paying attention um, and everybody's Mm -hmm. not on the same page, there's going to be distrust. And even even if everybody's being completely honest and upfront, it's there are going to be problems and everybody has to pay attention to the numbers. And so he really didn't. And that created some tension and, you know, the, the partnership dissolved. And that was a very fortunate thing for me because then when I came to the firm, there were no other equity partners other than my father. So hmm. it gave me a great opportunity. I worked with him for a few years. And I, before I, I should note that before I went to law school, I was an infantry officer in the army and I was in the army for a while. I deferred law school. I got out and then I went You know, after I got out of the Army, I went to law school, but thing was the army was still paying for my law school. So I stayed in the national guard. I needed a way to to pay for it. Right. So so (laughs) the army's paying and then, you know, paying for my law school. And then they gave me a company command. I'm a company commander. I'm a new lawyer. I mean, I'm exhausted. Right. So I'm working, you know, weekends on national guard stuff. I'm working 60 hour weeks. It's just too much. And I, I go to my commander. I said, look, you know, this has been great, but I think at the end of my commitment, you know, I, I am done. He said, well, he said, John sounds like you're pretty business. I am. He said, I just, I just, I just can't keep doing is you don't have to do everything anymore. I said, really? She said no. You guys are in this like 2004. It's like your company's deploying to Iraq, so don't worry about it. You only have to do one thing. So I deployed to Iraq, and I think one mistake oh, wow. we made is instead of you know trying to. <laughs> Find replacements and, and continue to grow. Was we really shrunk down the firm, and then so then when I came back, we built it back up, and it was a long struggle to build everything back up. If you can imagine leaving a small hmm. practice for fourteen months and then coming back and building it all up, rebuilding the marketing. And keep in mind too, this is two thousand five, two thousand six. By the time I left, I was cursing the fact that there were two yellow books, right, and you had to pay for ads in both. And by the time I come back, there's Google AdWords. They're gone. And and so there's all sorts of different, you know, now the whole game has changed. And so it took a while to get back on our feet, but the last five years in a row, we've made the Inc 5000 for fastest growing uh, private companies because uh, we course. really learned some important lessons. And part of it, a big part of it is culture, right? So we, we're about hundred employees. We're about 40% veterans. Almost our entire leadership team is veterans. So we don't sit around, you know, we have great productive meetings. We use EOS, but at these meetings, uh, you know, it's just like a military staff where the staff comes up with a recommendation for the commander and the commander can either follow the recommendation or not follow it. But if not, everybody has to be in agreement, but we will fight violently for our positions in those meetings and how the firm should be run. But once we lose, OK, this is the way the organization is going. We smile. We walk out of the room as friends, as colleagues. And then we go tell our team, hey, we've got great news. This is what's happening. Even if <laughs> it wasn't our position, right, because we support we support the team. We support the commander. And that's that's just part of our DNA and it's part of our culture Culture. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's helped us grow. I mean, I think in terms of we've diversified quite a bit. While we have a national veterans law practice, we have, we represent thousands of veterans. We have veterans in every state. Locally, we do a lot of criminal defense and PI work. And it's great to have that diversification just because uh, you want the diverse talent. It's amazing to me the due process arguments will come up in our VA cases, which is administrative law. right? The Veterans Administration is completely administrative law. But then you get our appellate lawyers from our PI cases or our criminal cases who can weigh in on some of the more complex issues really give some great ideas to our team but but overall i would say the the real magic has been having a culture where it's said kind of the military camaraderie people are going we're going to be hard on each other we're going to push each other but it's because we respect each other and you know the ultimate i think there there is you know it's a meritocracy right so the ultimate compliment is not necessarily going to be a promotion because everybody knows who the leaders are you know the ultimate compliment is when People are following you, and they don't have to. Whether that's vertical leadership or lateral leadership, you know, the key I think is culture and leadership. You know, as we invest, we started investing in marketing. We talked about this a little before the show. You know, Mm -hmm. going from. Six figures to seven figures, it was a lot of direct response marketing. And so we, we had to measure everything. And so whether it was a newsletter we sent out or it was PPC or it was SEO, right? Google has great tools for that. And we were able to attribute everything. And the way we answer the phone is, who referred you to us? And we, you know, we built a culture of referrals. Uh, but as we kind of crested that eight-figure mark, we really started to see that what we needed to focus on now was building the brand. And advertising and we and we had enough of a cushion to do that and you know then we became the American veterans law firm that was our identity because we were veterans who were helping veterans you know real lawyers for real veterans and and you know it, it's been an interesting journey because we've seen other you know non-attorney organizations pop up in our industry now and you know for those of us us and other firms that have been doing it for a long time it's been kind of interesting and kind of concerning and I think ultimately that's gonna work out because I think that a lot of these you know people are going to need lawyers lawyers as if the tactics they're using do not work. And believe me, yeah. in the VA practice, we want the veterans to have all the tactics so they can open their claims, file their claims, appeal the claims. You know, We're there for when they've tried everything and it didn't work, and now we need a lawyer. And the great thing about veterans law is it's a contingency-based practice, at least for us. And so we don't get paid unless the veteran wins, and we get to meet some heroes that way and That's that cool. we would n- never otherwise meet. So it's great. As you know, PI is a little bit different. Criminals a little bit different than that. But at the end of the day, I, we've really decided that we want to be a hero to our heroes. And so we're very selective about the clients we take, which I know sounds weird, right? No, no, no. If you're a small firm, you take everybody. You got to bring in the clients. I mean, you know, I had a friend that I had a firm and he said, you know, if a guy comes in my office with $500 in his pocket, he's not leaving with it, right? Like, we're taking that case. And I'm like, man. I said, man, that is the worst attitude you can have because all you're going to have is a bunch of unhappy clients at the end of it. You know, if you're taking everybody and you're not being specific I mean yeah, it's better to have less good clients you know who are aligned with your mission and your core values than it is to have everybody and I've you know I've seen that mistake 100%. happen time and time again where attorneys you know and we've hired attorneys from other firms and with that same mindset and they've got too many clients they're getting a ton of complaints things are falling apart for them <laughs> it's because they weren't selective you know about who they were I, it, who they were taking and i think not being selective about who you are like what are your core values and how is that present in your marketing and if it's not present in your marketing then how are you know your prospective clients aren't going to see that and then you're going to be stuck with whoever sees your message and comes in and i think your conversion rates are going to be lower but also um you know your client satisfaction is going to be a lot lower and and so for us it really has been a game of let's figure out our core values Let's make sure the team gets them. Let's build that culture. And we've done a lot to build that. I mean, it's, it's a lot of well, work.
0: You're, you know, we're, we're big on core values and, and the culture and the team. And that should, that should flow over to your, the clients, I think. And I think that attracts the right kind of client when they see how you are and how you act and how your team responds and what the culture is that should attract a certain clientele for you. And you gotta be selective. We've fired clients many times in the past where, Hey, you know, this is not for us. You know, we, you're the wrong client for us. It's our fault. <laughs> it was us, not you. So you, you have to be able to do that in business. So I, I love everything you had to say. We're I think we're very similar in, in those aspects. EOS, amazing. Traction, the book Traction, we follow that to a T. You got to have systems in place. So you have to have those things in place to, to really grow. This is your website, too. You mentioned this before. So PTSDlawyers.com, so people can check that out. So yeah, take a look at the website. I love what you're doing with veterans. So I'm in Virginia, Nordic. Uh, we have the Navy SEALs here, we have uh, the biggest Navy base in the country. Um, so I'm very familiar and know lots of veterans myself. So good on you guys for, for doing that kind of work and, and hiring veterans as well. Uh, that's a big thing in our area for companies to uh, get some of these guys, especially like your, your Navy SEALs and special warfare guys, trying to get them into positions that we have a lot of like training programs around here and, and getting them into all kinds of different jobs. That's interesting. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Hey there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Law. If you're ready to work with a world-class digital marketing company, reach out. You can find us online at ArrayLaw.com or call us at any time, 757-333-3021. You sit around 100 100, uh, folks full-time? Yes. Okay, cool. So, I mean, tell us too, like when you get to past 20, 30, 40, 50 people, you know, managing the culture and and making the right hires and kind of controlling everything. I mean, share with us a little bit about how that process has been like and what maybe what changes you've had to make uh, along the way.
1: Sure. So, like I said, my my friend, you know, would, would take any case that came in the door, right? Yeah. I mean, the problem was he took any case to come the door. He didn't want to hire people, and when he did hire people, he hired them cheap. And then what would happen is he would get you know bad team players, and the, you know, and it's just a different philosophy. Whereas with us, yeah. we want to yeah. hire the absolute best people. And the real secret is that if you hire someone really good, good people hang out with good people, right? You're the sum of the five people you hang out with. So they know like, other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and and the bad ones hang out with bad ones, but. I can tell you one of the best decisions i made and this was a very difficult decision but the uh, the best criminal defense lawyer in the state in nebraska is my wife mallory hughes and it was interesting once i hired her though you know and i was like i don't want to hire my wife you know it's i don't want to but our lifestyles were so similar we're both just type a you know and she's an obsessive i'm an obsessed like we're obsessed about winning so i hired her and then all of a sudden all this talent came with her everybody was knocking on our door right like wait a minute you've got mallory Oh my! Hey, I want to be on this team, right? And yeah, so I think the, you hire the best people, and we've and even at our, the staff level, we've hired some great veterans who, you know, have brought on other veterans. And it's like, wait a minute, I know that guy. He was in my unit or we were at the uh, Silky's hike, which is a thing the irreverent warriors do for uh, PTSD and suicide awareness. And so they have their great people have their own sources, right? Of, of not only referrals, but potential employees. A guy named Bob Berg wrote a book called Endless Referrals. And he said, everybody, this is before social media when he wrote it, but he said, everybody has like 200 people that they're close enough to that they can refer business to, right? And I, And I know that we all as lawyers, we all know at least one person every year who gets in a car wreck one person who gets arrested and one person who gets divorced. Right now, we may not handle all those practice areas. I mean, we'll do the criminal, we'll do the injury, uh, the car accident, but we won't do the divorce, but we can refer that out. And uh, and I think even our referral partners, right, we want to refer to people who have great networks because great people generally have great networks. And you hear that saying all the time, your network is your net worth and i think it's a little bit backwards because really if you're a great person you're going to have a good network and uh, you're going to have those people around so we love to hire people that are just force multipliers as soon as we hire that great person it seems like you know the recruiting becomes a lot easier because if they're if they're great in their community people know it and they've got five great friends. And if if we provide a great culture and we're paying well, then, hey, here's an opportunity and great people want to be together. And it's really no different than the military. I mean, I think we loved about the military was showing up every day with a a team of champions. So that's what I try to bring back is that feeling I had when I was a new second lieutenant showing up as an infantry platoon leader. And my platoon was the best platoon in the battalion. And I'd show up for PT at 530. My (laughs) non-commissioned officers have been there since five. And, you know, every day they just pushed me and we pushed each other we wanted to be the best and uh, when you can bring that to an organization it is awesome and it's infectious. The same way whining and complaining and tiny heart cinema is infectious, like cancer It <laughs> destroys your company. When you have awesome people that are just highly energized and motivated and great people, it works well. And the downside is, yeah, you got to say no. There's a lot of clients we have to say no to. There's a lot of potentially good employees that just don't fit our mold, don't fit our color, don't make our standards. We have to say no to. Yep. But yep. I think that that's, that's all part of it. Because believe me, the biggest mistake, you, the most expensive mistake is a cheap employee right? You're going to, if they <laughs> screw something up, you could get sued. You could lose your biggest clients, bar complaints, bad things can happen if you're not hiring the absolute best and then doing everything you can to retain them.
0: No, uh, I love it, man. And uh, we're, so one of our core values is winning and passion, but hundred percent it's, if your culture is at a certain point where it's where you want it to be, like where yours is, right. Then someone that's not a fit stands out like a sore thumb. And usually they get weeded out or decide to leave on their own because they don't fit. And we've pretty much got to a point where no one's going to get in the door anyway because of our process. But uh, it sounds like you've nailed that down. But if if someone walks in the room and they're uncomfortable with your people, then they're not going to be a fit. They're going to disqualify themselves. And I think that's really powerful. And what you've done there is awesome. But that's the kind of folks you want to have around you, and you know, I, I'll just speak from experience. We hired a um, a new SEO manager a little while back. Immediately brought two of the best people with him that just wanted to work for him, just from other really reputable companies. And they're like, we're going with him wherever he's going, and they came in immediately. And we we're like, yeah, we'll hire both of them. So it's really powerful when you can we can do stuff like that. So, but everything you just said was spot on, 100% good people, know other good people. They're great re- recruiting tools, and I think you you draw in a certain type of Person, when you are putting that energy out, right? So people start to watch. We have people that call us and say, hey, I've been watching you guys forever. I want to work there, you know, and we don't have to go recruit necessarily. So kudos to what you've done there. It sounds awesome. I bet your team meetings in the morning are pretty fun. So I'm going to, to come visit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, sometimes they're painful, though, because we're yeah. brutally honest. But I can tell yeah. you, you know, it's been interesting with our marketing as well, that as we've done billboards and a little more traditional. You know, what we've seen is that we've seen our referral numbers go through the roof, right? So you would assume, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's not direct. But I would say referrals and job applicants. And, and you know, once you're doing yeah. something well, it's really important to amplify and, and multiply it. And if you don't do that, then it's just not going to happen organically at the rate that you want and you know you really have to be clear on, on what it is you want what, what your goals are going to be and make sure the team is aligned with those goals because if they're not it's not going to happen and it can get ugly and and i think part of the bad i guess the dirty secret or the bad news of all of the, of the rapid growth is that you will outgrow great people and the person who got you to become a five million dollar firm is going to the bottleneck that has to touch everything that will prevent you from being a 10 million dollar firm and look it's i think that chip wilson the founder founder of Lululemon said this. He said, look, you know, hiring bad or firing bad people is easy. Firing good people is hard. And I think at some point you have to come to the realization that if you don't have a good growth plan, the people who are your best players today will be preventing you from growing tomorrow. Or you may even worse, you may be doing them a disservice by keeping them on the team because you're stunning their growth. And so, you know, we have a great alumni program when people, it used to be, you know, when we were smaller, if someone left, I'd be like, oh man, I can't <laughs> believe they left. Like they're so unloyal yeah. to us. Now I realize like if they left, it's on me, but I've also had some really good team players that I've had to have that difficult conversation with myself and them.
0: It's like, like, especially
1: yeah. in mar- like in-house marketing, right? It's like, look, you're a superstar and you're right out of college and you have grown so much since you've been here. You're not our next CMO you don't have that mid-level experience and we yeah. can't give you that here so i love you you're great your performance is I'm set you free much. yeah but <laughs> i want i don't i would feel guilty if you didn't get the opportunity and so if you want that other opportunity I, i'll help you find it and i'll get you there you know i'll do whatever i can to get you there but i don't want you just stay here because of us if you know that they're, they're, because then what happens is they get you know they get complacent and they don't like it and then you as the leader if you're not handling it right then everybody looks at you why isn't this leader enforcing the standards why don't they have integrity why are they letting this guy slide right yeah. so
0: you know yeah you got to the full responsibility and I, i've had the same situations uh, we've lost some really amazing people along the way and you know we we find i find a lot of value we do one-on-ones with our team uh, every my managers at least, and my managers do one-on-ones with their team members every single week. And we also have plans for them, uh, where we see them going next year, what the growth plans are. And the the second they're like, that doesn't really – they might say, hey, here's what I want to do. And that doesn't align with where we're going. Then it comes, the situation becomes, Hey, I think it'd be better if you were to go pursue something else. Or what can we do to help you get into a position somewhere that you want to? And we've had some go off and start their own businesses. And we knew that they were going to start their own business. And we were told by some people when we did like the, uh, the cultural index, Hey, these people are going to be hard to keep here. They're going to want to run their own business. And sure enough, they go off and that we're still good friends, no hard feelings, they're running their own companies now. So it's, decisions you gotta make, but you're completely right. And I think the challenging part is when you're growing and you know that person's not gonna be able to take you, but you love them to death, they've been here. And what do you do? Do you demote them or do you have someone hire, overtop them or is it just time for them to go? So, yeah,
1: there's no easy answer. Demotions yeah. <laughs> usually don't sit well with the uh, with the rest of the organization that they're, yeah. you know, it's kind of like that hate and discontent. Right. Just starts can catch fire and you just you don't want that in your organization. But, yeah, I think you have that moral obligation to grow your people and grow your team. And I, I once I was talking to a veteran that owned, uh, well, I this is a billion dollar company. And he just said, John, for what you guys are doing for the constitution, for our veterans, he's like, you have a moral obligation to grow this thing. If you really believe in what you're doing, you need to grow it. And you need to grow your people. You need to grow your organization. You need to help more people. But he said, I believe in what you're doing. And if you really believe in it, the way you say you're doing it, then you need to put your money where your mouth is, you know, <laughs> Do what it takes to get there. Get your, You're going to spend money on training people, spend money on recruiting, spend money on advertising, spend money on building better systems, invest it and go all in. Because if you don't, you're depriving the rest of the world of, of, of this opportunity and this service. And I think if the team believes that, you know, they're going to, they're going to fight like hell for you. Yeah. And if they don't believe it, then, you know, I, I think you're going to lose people and the thing's going to become a mess. But yeah, I, I think Peter Drucker said culture eats strategy for breakfast. And you have <laughs> yeah. to have a good mission with great people. And you have to be, you know, as a leader, you have to create something that didn't exist before. Give them a new future, a bigger future. If you can't do that, you're not a leader.
0: No, you have to have a mission and a vision that they believe in, that they're behind and they'll go all the way with you and yeah, completely agree with you. And yet, yeah, for what you're doing, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's your obligation to continue to push it and grow it to help more people. Right. So, uh, again, the website for anyone tuning in, wants to check out uh, what John's up to and his firm. He has some other websites as, as well, but, uh, PTSDLawyers.com. So check that out. I, I love what you had to say. What you're what you're doing as a firm and as a leader. Kind of like you know, I think it's a unique system you have in place there and, and the culture. Kudos for what you're doing, man. What's the next couple of years? I mean, obviously you're, you're pushing, right? So that's that's great. What's the next couple of years look like? What's your next big goal? I guess, yeah, give us a little insight on what you're trying to accomplish.
1: You know, I think really at this point, I I need to get out of the way. (laughs) So, I mean, we really really went hard for about the last year. There was a guy – uh, his name was uh, Daniel Alaric, a former uh, drill sergeant who started a company called Grunt Style. And so um, he, he was the founder of that company. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I'm familiar with that. Yeah,
1: last year, we hired him as a, you know, so I hired him kind of as a consultant. And then I realized the real flaw with a lot of consultants is like, they'll tell you what to do, but they won't help you implement. So we brought him on a long term consulting basis to help us implement some of those things. And so I really kind of You know, we really ramped up a lot of things. You know, we got a bunch of different uh, software systems in and then we hired a, a chief operating officer who comes from an AmLaw 50 firm. So it's kind of like we grew up and uh, real quick. I forced a lot, yeah, a lot of change. And so you know, I, I fear we're not as agile as we used to be. But I can tell you from me, you know, like I said, you have to be very tactical when you're trying to get to six and seven figures. By the time you hit eight figures, you got to be more strategic. And the problem is, I grew up tactical to survive, right? So now, <laughs> as I de- as I develop as a leader of the organization, I need to become more strategic. And I get really frustrated when I come to meetings. And I know the tactics and they're not being executed. They're not being executed (laughs) to standard. And look, it doesn't mean we're not doing well, but for me, like I said, I'm an obsessive, right? I'm a, I want to, you know, look, I'm not going to give you the ball. If you're going to miss the game winning shot, I'll just take the shot. I'm not going to let you fail. You know, in the military (laughs) it's kind of the same way, right? Like in training, we would send our leaders out and let them fail in the field. But in deployment, you know, right now all of a sudden we're looking at combat situations where we're sending leaders out. Well, as much as we like to say we're not micromanagers and we're not, you know, we had to, we were much more cautious when the, you know when when something greater was at stake. Uh, this is no longer a training exercise. And I think you know as a leader when you see the company growing and the the vision coming into fruition, you know, and there's real dollars at stake and real people's jobs and futures. If you fail, right, you could. It's not. And it's not. So much about me i'll be fine i mean i have learned enough over my life and i could start over tomorrow rebuild this thing in 18 to 24 months but what about (laughs) all those team members that if you fail and you let them down i mean to me that's a heavy burden i mean when i yeah. you know deployed to iraq i took a company and uh, you know i knew that i was you know charged with you know with protecting america's sons and daughters and i didn't want to be the person to have to come home and say you know what i failed so let me tell you why your son or daughter isn't coming home because of the stupid decisions that i made so yeah i think you know as a leader th- it's a heavy burden and you, take all, and
0: you take all that burden on 100% yeah and you want to step in you want to keep stepping back in and saying hey do it you're not doing it this way or right right but they'll never
1: grow but they'll never grow and so if you can do it it safely without putting life at risk without putting the company at risk right then then you have to do that and does that mean sometimes you're going to lose opportunities yes does it mean sometimes you're going to lose money Yes, but that's the price of developing leaders, and the only way you can grow exponentially is to develop those leaders. So you have to make a decision, and you have to decide: Am I willing to pay the price? And the price may be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to develop your people. And you're going to make a lot of mistakes. They're going to make mistakes, and those mistakes are going to be costly. But uh, as long as you can survive to fight another day, and they learn from it, you're going to grow.
0: Yeah, 100%. I love it. Yeah, and it's difficult to do. And you know, I think it's sometimes it's you know, if you look at some of the folks you have. you know, for me, I know when it's like a new person that comes on the team, but it's, you know, when at some point you're looking at what their performance is, it's either, you know, are we coaching them up or are you coaching them out? And right, sometimes you got to make those swift decisions too. But yeah, sometimes it's hard to be like, okay, I know exactly what they need to do, but. I need to let them figure it out and make their own decision. And hopefully they've learned enough for me to, to do the right thing. And you got to step back.
1: I, yeah, that's where I struggle. Coaching, You got to right? step back and be like,
0: oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I appreciate it. Man. That's, so I love everything you had to share. It's spot on. Hopefully any attorney listening to this episode would, would listen to it again and take everything John just said, back it up and say, okay, there's a lot here. Systems and processes, EOS is amazing. If you don't do EOS, anyone listening, like, Traction, I think is a good book to read it. It kind of explains a lot of EOS, but it's, if you don't go all in on EOS, you can start there and then yeah, your culture is the most important thing you have and you have to start working yourself out and having people that can, you know, that can um, grow on their own and take you to the next level. So a lot of good points there. I think, you know, especially a lot of attorneys that are listening that maybe just started or thinking about starting their own firm. Now imagine people at that stage, right, John, where they're like, I'm going to start my own firm. You know, lawyers are not business owners and they don't usually have any training in running a business. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to learn.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, a good friend of mine, former Marine, I met him at trial lawyers college. Uh, He was actually from Omaha and uh, he just left big law in D.C. to go to a small practice in Colorado where he's kind of the, I think it's his father's practice, only a couple of attorneys, but now he's got to figure out how to do everything. And uh, you know it's, and I'm talking to him. I'm realizing, like, the advice I'm giving him right now is probably the worst advice because I'm gonna tell him things that are good for me now, yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> but but are not gonna be good for him. They would have been good for me maybe 10 years ago. And I think that's you know, I think peer groups are important. Coaches are important. I think that finding people who are kind of in that group with want to get to where you want to get, that's great. I mean, I was in a Vistage group. It was a great yeah. group led by a phenomenal leader. One of the challenges in the group was, and we had everything from six figure to nine figure companies, but that some people really wanted to grow like, you know, 30, 40, 50% a year. And then, you know, year after year. And then there were people there that were like happy to, for one to 2% growth. And that's it's two, lifestyle. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. The lifestyle entrepreneur. I mean, it's just different, totally different philosophies. And we couldn't really have a good conversation because they were so risk averse. And we're like, dude, we feel risk by not swinging the bat, and you feel yeah. risk every time. We're the wrong people here? Yeah, so just the the, yeah. the the dynamic of one of those groups it, it didn't work well for us. But uh, I think with attorneys, it's pretty easy to figure out who are the entrepreneurial attorneys, who are the ones the small groups that firms that want to grow, and you know surround yourself with those and, and vendors too, right? I mean, really vet that vent. I love to talk to vendors. And say, okay, who. Tell me who fired you. Why did they fire? Tell me your last firing. Why did they fire you? Yeah. You know, and a lot of times, you know, you'll get a you'll get a really good answer. And it's the same answer why law firms get fired, right? And, yeah, and that's what I up, like that. if <laughs> Yeah, keeping up an honest conversation, I can tell you a good vendor, especially I would say in the digital area, can be huge. And, uh, you know, I think what really got me going, there were a lot of things that got me going, but I remember in 2015, I was working with a uh, PPC company, and I got to tell you, they grew really quickly, and they took their talent and moved them all into leadership positions, and mm-hmm. they didn't backfill that. And so they moved their technicians into leadership positions and it didn't really work out too well for them. But I can tell you, back then they were phenomenal and they got me to google new york and they told me i needed to go to the avo trade show i needed they were always like i was so amazed that they were calling me instead of me tracking them now they were calling me saying john you need to do this and i'd be like what about this and they're like, well, and I'm like but yeah but what does it cost like dude it doesn't matter what it costs don't you understand like you only <laughs> live once like this is your life and you're telling me you're going to build this firm and i'm telling you that i work in the industry and you need to learn more about the industry if you're really going to do this so you know it's it's great that we're doing your digital marketing and we're helping you grow, but let's face it, if you can grow more as a law firm, we can charge you more money, right? So it was a it was Winter a great relationship <laughs> for a while. Like I said, until our guy got promoted, then he was no longer our team member and they continued to, you know, it would start out being a phenomenal relationship. But then once that person was removed, the expectation the bar was so high, right? The expectation was so high. And then they kept giving us substandard people that never measured up to that initial person. And so it the relationship, you know, with that company didn't work. But I can tell you that was an opportunity where the vendors were a real hero to us, where the vendors stepped up and said, John. You know, you'd open your eyes and see what else is in the industry. You know, are you doing well, that story
0: being a uh, a marketing agency and, and want to know what we can do better for our clients? And that's a good story there. Yeah,
1: hey, tell us what to do. A lot of times what you guys don't get, Kevin, is, you know, the industry better than us. And I think it's being bold enough to say and having the courage to say, look, we're doing this. This is where you are. Tell me where yeah. you want to be. Let's talk about your goals. And you may even say, Kevin, you may say, we're doing all this digital stuff. It's great, man. But, you know, I'd like you to put a little bit of money in social. And you're like, I have no vested interest in this or what, or whatever it is. You know, and you yeah. may say, and, I don't, and I, I don't know the extent of your services right now, You know, because now it seems like, you know, uh, there are always opportunities. But I've had uh, vendors say, look, we don't even do this. But yeah. I think you should do this because, you know, and, and look, I think that a lot of marketer uh, marketing companies or, or companies that are providing services to law firms should have an Ascension model, right? Where you have the, the bronze, silver, gold, because, you know, obviously, Kevin, you know, from your the six-figure firms that you're helping to the nine-figure firms, they have different needs. And the cost is going to be different. I mean, it just has to be. And so, and they have different expectations. And so, 100%. you know, if you're moving them up and they're like, you know, I trust Kevin because at the end, <laughs> he's telling me to do stuff that he's not even, making any money off of, but he tells me to do it. I do it. I'm making money off of it. So, you know, the guy is definitely interested in my success. And sometimes too, you know, I I imagine Kevin, you have to have that difficult conversation where the attorney's in love with their brand or some of their marketing. You're like, dude, this sucks. Like get out of that. You're inauthentic. It's horrible. Try this, you know, and, and. Look, we have the reality is as, as attorneys, we've got to trust you, man. I mean, you know, we, we have to trust you, especially on the digital side, because that's where the future has been for the past ten years. And, it, while, and right? it just continues to grow. And if we can't, you know, you have to have somebody you can trust and someone who's gonna step in and when I say trust, not just that they're not going to do what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it. Like give you honest feedback and say, John, dude, this whole plan is stupid. Or John, you know, I know that you think that you should be on all these billboards, all these places. And I had somebody tell me, you know, you don't want to do that with this lawyer. I said, why not? They said, well, you need to be the face. I said, okay, well that's fine. I said, but I don't understand. Like, why can't other people be the face? And finally, he said, look, no, you need to be the face. And finally, I said, no, I don't understand. Why do I need to be the face? And finally, I said, look, that person has a face for radio. You can't put that. person. (laughs) And I mean, look, that was, it may have been insensitive, but at the end of the day, it was very honest, right? It was like, like, Hey, you know, that's not going to sell. I would
0: like to say that we do act that way, but maybe we could do even more what you're saying. And I think for the bigger firms, the, the firms that are really trying to grow, you can be a little bit more aggressive and upfront with, with that, you know, a smaller like family law attorney that's just trying to like help people. They're very particular. But to your point, we try to say, Hey, this is not a good idea. And you know, the strategy that you're proposing while we appreciate, this is what we think you should do. We we try to do that. and, And we do recommend our clients do stuff that we don't get paid for. We help them put podcasts together like this. We don't do that as a service, but I like what you're saying because I think there's probably a lot more that we could do to push even harder because we know it works. We know what they should be doing. And sometimes we probably think it, I should probably tell my team, Hey, if you're thinking it, tell them like, let's not hide anything, you know? So that is a really good point. And, um, you know, where we stand, we want to help our clients. And if they grow, we grow. So yeah, good. And of point. course,
1: then then you get the success. That's then they, you get, get, from they refer people to you. Once they say, hey, Kevin's the expert in digital marketing. And then he he hooked me up with this guy who helped me shoot these amazing commercials. Kevin actually, the digital was good enough that I made enough money from market, you know, from working with <laughs> Kevin and Array Digital that that I was able to afford. Some traditional, and now I'm using traditional and digital, and I'm growing like crazy. But I never would have made the leap had Kevin not made me an array digital, made me successful at this level (laughs) to help me get to the next level. And that's just, like I said, that's the reality. And so I think, like I said, vendors are some of our best allies. In fact, we have a vendor day once a year where we'll get like a vendor of the year award, you know, give them a nice plaque and say, "Cool, thanks." And by the way, here's the deal: we want vendors who fit into our core values and our mission statement and respect what we do, and you know, we want. You know, it's kind of like if you believe in us, you, I mean, then that's really the way referrals work, right? Is you believe in yeah. somebody, you're going to say, you know, hey, an attorney he calls me. I say, you know, Kevin with Array, he's <laughs> phenomenal. He helped us with this. Like, I know, like, and trust the guy. Go do that. And then what people don't real, realize about referrals is then the referral, the attorney I just sent you to you, he's going to be grateful to me. I was just a hero to that person and I didn't have <laughs> to do anything. I just had to give them a yeah. name of Kevin who helped me. And so a lot of times in, in our, in cultures too, it's the person who knows the person who has, who is the most influential person, right? It's, 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 if I know Kevin can do digital and I know who can do traditional and I know all these people, people are going to value my opinion. And then that makes
0: me and feel that's good. Even a stronger referral too. And they're probably going to sign on right away. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, just so, uh, attorneys, I mean, I've interviewed over hundred plus attorneys this year. So most of the ones that are, they live on referrals. They, care about the referrals the work they do turns into more work and we're the same way and we have to be that way and do good work so that we get referrals like you're talking about so 100 yeah any vendors out there listening take note as well your competitors are listening listening, kevin they probably are hey don't call john (laughs) John if you want we're not working with john but you can call john if you want but good luck No, we, we actually had Scorpion, if you're listening, Scorpion. Uh, we met a bunch of Scorpion at a show and we watch your all's podcast and we call your guest and... This guy was telling us everything, so. Wow,
1: yeah. Well, you know, the and we're
0: that, a $300 million company, you know.
1: Yeah, well, and they've got, yeah, they got people to do that, and that's great. And I mean, at the end of the day, though, too, you know, I've learned this the hard way, too. I mean, I, you know, and I, like I said, I, hey, people tell you, go with the biggest eight, you know, it's a weird thing, because if you're small, just about anybody can help you. But as you grow, you need a, an organization to grow along with you. And, you know, I, I was told to go to these large national agencies. And, you know, after paying a lot of money, I was, blown away by the lack of results and talent and I was just like what and they just didn't get our brand and they well we've got this great process and we've got all these great people from all over but they seemed to be too concerned about they, they were just so egotistical that they, they were not analytical and they really did you know I was just kind of disappointed so it's, it's very I think it's very tough for lawyers so when you're starting off look yeah. anybody can help you but as you grow you have to find that right partner either they got to be growing along with you or yeah. you're gonna have to move up but it is one of those things where uh bigger the bigger the agency not always the better
0: no i understand and i think that's going to be our challenge is growing maintaining the culture and our results and you know what we're doing for our clients i think right now for me like me and my business owner our partner sorry we're We're over a little bit over 20 folks full-time me and my business partner bring a lot of business aspects and we get to talk one-on-one with our clients from a business perspective, more than a marketing perspective, because the marketing, you know, yeah, we're, we know what we're doing and our team knows what they're doing, but what's the business relationship? What is your goals? What's the business angle? What's the growth goals? And then bringing that perspective has helped us a lot as we grow. And me, me and my business partner aren't able to be talking to every single client or, or whatever, then that's going to definitely become more of a challenge. I think so. I think really, you know, we have to have folks, In our company that we can groom and pass along that they know that the business piece of it is almost more important than marketing you know there's a lot of tactics we can use um our people are smart but it's got to come out to the business what the business is doing what the goals are and if we understand it yeah and if you know i mean all
1: barking does is amplify what you're doing right so if you're doing a great job then it's time to market if you suck Go market, fix yourself and then go market. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've yeah. had and I can. So back a few years ago, it's a long story, but we had a brief opportunity to bring my brother on who has a systems degree from Stanford, an MBA from UCLA. He's worked at Fortune 500 companies and some startups in California. And we were, you know, we were working with a digital company and uh, they were giving us answers and we didn't like the answers. And we dug in and, you know, they lied to us. I mean, there's no, <laughs> you know, no way around and, it. You know, and sometimes, it, sometimes there's a the case where the salesperson, the technician are not on the same page. And, you know, that's kind of an honest mistake. But this was one where he got down to the nitty gritty with the technician and the technician was just making stuff up. And he might, like, this is a, you know, my brother scored a 36 on his ACT. Okay, this is not a, you know, I said, a systems degree from Stanford. He knows. And he just, you know, he's just like, look. And then he went back and showed that, okay, you lied to me. Let me show you everything. And, you know, and that team member pled for that company pled ignorance. And I th- and, he, and I said, man, I don't know. I don't know what's worse. Either you lied to us or you don't even know your profession. I don't know, but this isn't, this relationship's not going to
0: work. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. And you know, sometimes salespeople, they can be a little bit, they want to tell you the best thing and the they want to make everything perfect and and whatever. And and based on what you've been saying too, like technicians and, and talk about technicians being promoted into roles and now they're not doing the work. A, a good book for everyone is E-Myth. E-Myth is a really good book but it's all about the entrepreneur, the manager and the technician and when you first start you're you're really the technician like you're a lawyer an attorney and then you have to be able to learn to hire the people in the other places and move up into the entrepreneurship role uh, which most people don't not really know how to do but there's technicians they want to do the job right and so if you got good technicians you got to be careful about moving them up into those other roles and and whatever but if you have a bad technician that's just yeah. you know you, you should know that right away. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, well if I you that,
0: get so big, if you're that big, it might, you know, then there's yeah, a problem. I think
1: that's a- that's the challenge right for good lawyers if you have good systems in a good firm you have to be involved enough to develop that technical proficiency and know what right looks like to hire the best people and ensure that they are working at that standard that you want to set and i think you know look i've got a lot of friends that are non-practicing law firm owners they're phenomenal at what they do and uh you know and and and, you know maybe someday i'll reach that status but as for right now i really enjoy still trying the cases and you know it's i think you can train a lot of people you can train your intake. You can train your office manager, but you need to develop. Lawyers must be developed. They can't just be trained. They need, you know, there's just they have to be developed. And so it's a different level. And if and if you don't have somebody there to develop those attorneys, then it's you. And uh yep. <laughs> and you know, it's kind of like if you don't have that assistant, it's you. And I think that you know, looking back, one of the smartest things I did was hiring my own executive assistant. Right to plan my travel, to do everything. Like you know, look, like to make I, I, I can this. Yeah, during a deployment, like when I was in Iraq, and I and my, you know, at the time I had a, my ex-wife now, but we had a four month old daughter. And you know, I realized like, I don't have to worry about my laundry or my food or filling up my car. Halliburton's <laughs> taking care of everything, you know? And so we would go out the wire, you know, and you would have to be, you know, ready to go. We we're there's a mission, but, but when you come back in the gate, you know, food was <laughs> there, there was someone to take care of your laundry. There was, and, and I think, you know, you know what I really got from that experience was, well, wait a minute. I was so able to focus on the mission that like, I loved it. I mean, everybody's like, Oh my God, you were deployed for a long time. And I got to focus on my mission. All the distractions in life were gone. I was getting paid no matter what, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the government actually, you know, pays the army pays, you know, I didn't have to worry about doing mowing the lawn, right. Or, or any of that stuff. And so uh, (laughs) coming back, I've taken those things out of my life. And you know, it's, it, you know, it's one of those things where you have that conversation with your spouse and like want you to mow the lawn or clean the gutters. And you're like, You know, I'm Bill, you know, if your billing rate is several hundred dollars an hour, (laughs) why are you doing a $20 an hour task? Right. And it's, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it's. We have some of the best assistants and admin folks here. It's just amazing, and it's it's necessary. And you know, their job is to make your job easier, so you can perform better and take care of the company and grow. And so, yeah, 100%. And all those yeah, those weekend tasks, the home, that
1: you know, all that stuff. You
0: you know, you got to give up some of that stuff, if not all of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you're a lawyer. Pay someone to do it. You know, and I, I know that may sound like egotistical, but look, discipline and focus are your most important traits i think as, as a business owner if you can't maintain if anything detracts from your your discipline your focus get rid of it and so i mean look at olympic athletes Right. I mean, it's like, you know, they're 1% of their time is actually competition, if they're lucky. Most of the time is in training. And when they're training, they're there's trying the to get as efficient as possible. And the thing is, look, there's no off season in business, right? As a law firm owner, there's no off season. <laughs> you know, COVID gave you a little, maybe a little break in your docket. But at the end of the day, so if you're going to be the lawyer and the business owner and the manager and the visionary, you have to be at your best when you do those things. And you can't waste focus and energy on tasks that are not going to get you there. So I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, so you think you're too good to do that task? No, I don't think I'm too good to do that task. But I do think that I'm not best serving my team or my clients. I don't want to hire a lawyer that cleans his own toilet. You know, I mean, if I'm going <laughs> to hire a lawyer, I want a yeah. lawyer focused on my case, eat, sleeps, and breathes the law. And it's like the military in basic training, right? I mean, you show up, you're immersed, right? From the moment you wake up, the moment you go to bed you're immersed in that culture you know i want my lawyers you know to be the same way i don't want my lawyers to go drive two hours to mow their great you know their parents lawn i want them to go i want them to do so well and be so successful they can pay someone to drive two hours and well hopefully they can just hire someone locally but the point is you know you, you want your best players doing what they do best, well rested and focused. And I got to, when I went through the Army Ranger School, that's the, the best gift I got, other than the fact I lost 50 pounds. And I, But I wasn't was in shape, 50 pounds. But when I went through, you know, they deprive you of food and sleep. And a real big lesson there is when you deprive yourself of food, you know, and I should say food like as in proper nutrition and proper sleep, your decision-making ability degrades. And if you're the leader of your organization, you can't have a bad day. One bad day could cost you the business. So you have to show up ready to go every day. And so if there's something detracting from your readiness, your ability to perform at your best, then figure that out and take care remove of it. Remove it. Yeah. Remove, I love yeah, it, man.
0: Remove it. And that it becomes hard to do. You know, that I think that's a that's another good point, another good lesson. You know, find out what you're good at and do more of that and try to remove everything else. And you know, I always tell some of uh, my people, even my lower, like my managers, like they're like, Oh, I need to hire another person like full-time to help me do this. And I'm like, All right, do you really need to hire someone? Or is it maybe just some administrative work that we can get an assistant to do? So let's write down all the crap you do that you feel. you're not best served that's not contributing to the the overall goals of the company make a list of all that stuff and we find out it's really just a bunch of administrative crap that they don't like doing every day okay cool if we remove that from your plate We don't need to hire someone that costs $60,000 a year. We can get, you know, one of our admins that's already here. Boom, they do it. No problem. So it's it's usually those conversations too. Like, you know, what can we remove from your plate that you feel? And so from, you know, our technicians or from our managers, we try to go through that exercise every once in a while too. Like, you know, not just like what I'm doing, but what are they doing that they don't need to be doing? You know, we got away from time tracking. We went to unlimited time off. Time sheets were costing, we added up the hours and it was like insane. And our people were very upset about having to do them. They just weren't very verbal about it. So just things like that. (laughs) No, I hundred percent agree. If you can get stuff off your plate, no matter what business you're in, take yourself out of it. And I probably need to work on that a lot myself.
1: Well, I think as you grow too, you find that out of necessity, you became good at some great, some a lot of tasks. But there's only two or three things you're great at. And the key, right, the secret to happiness and success in life, I think, is to figure out those two or three things and only do them. And so you really have to look at who can take all these other things off my plate. And is this something I really get energy from and enjoy doing, or am I good at it, but it sucks the life out of be and yeah. that's the case and you got you got to hire somebody to do
0: it so yeah all right man well i appreciate it i don't want to take up more of your time i didn't have to pay john yet to do this episode but we're coming <laughs> up on an hour so uh you know you might send me a bill here soon so well john man i appreciate it. you said a lot of good stuff we went a little long which is totally cool i appreciate you sharing everything and i think everyone should listen to this episode i think it's an amazing episode and a lot of good points a lot of good content check john out at the website below ptsdlawyers.com again he has some other websites as well you can check out, I think, what's the other one? Barrylawfirm.com. Barrylawfirm.com. So check that as well. If you're listening to this on audio, if you're on with video, we're going to be, uh, this episode will be up on our website, uh, arraylaw.com forward slash podcast. Also be on YouTube, my LinkedIn, Facebook. We'll put Instagram stories out soon, John, with uh, featuring you. We'll probably pull a ton of good content from this. So be looking out for that, everyone, as well. So we'll be featuring, tagging you, John, and your firm. Bob on your team, we can share this all with him so you guys have full access to it to use how you want. And yeah, if anyone out there needs to grow like John and you need some marketing help, you can check us out, reach out at RayLaw.com. Happy to help you meet your goals and at least just have the conversation, even if it's just questions. So open for that. You don't have to be a client if you can just start it out or if you're like John and you're crushing it. So feel free to reach out to me. John, anything else you want to share before we uh, stop recording?
1: Just, hey, crushing it doesn't, you may think we're crushing it, it never feels like crushing it. Winning always feels like losing until the end of the game, right? So, uh, you know, winning is very painful. I'm a big fan of Tim Tim Grover, who wrote the book Winning and Relentless, and I'll tell you that I know it may seem like that, but, you know, next level, next devil, and uh, I think the more you grow, the more it's important you have vendors and partners who grow along with you. Uh, You know, like Kevin, like I said, I like to see someone like Array Digital who's growing, who grows Alongside us, as opposed to someone who's either stagnant or they're growing at a much more rapid rate that they're going to outgrow us and not need us anymore. And and you know, <laughs> I think the key is to have those relationships with your team members, with your vendors, that everybody understands you're growing, you're doing something awesome, and you want them to come along for the ride. And now, not everybody's going to be on the train forever. Yeah, you know, at some point there will be team members that will get off, there will be vendors that will get off. At some point, it's going to be time for you to go. Right? The graveyards are filled with irreplaceable people, and you know, and as I look out every day I figure out how do I replace myself. Where am I weak, where I could be replaced, or where am I doing something I just don't like that I could be replaced? And you know, hey, look, we started our own PPC campaign in 2006, and uh, you know, we did a lot of our own SEO, and we were pretty good. But the reality <laughs> is, I'd rather back then if I could have had an array digital step in and say, John, what are you doing? You're a lawyer. You need to be the best lawyer you can be. Hire us, or hire the best digital company to take care of this for you, and just and, and go be the best. I wish I had that advice back then, Kevin. Thanks again for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor.
0: Yeah, man. I appreciate it very much so. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. Again, tons of good content and tips out of this. And I hope everyone enjoys it. And thanks for tuning in again. John, stay on with me a second. We'll stop recording. It'll take a second. Everyone else, have a great day and go out there. Be the best you can. We've been recording this podcast free of charge for years. Hopefully, you're getting amazing value out of it. We don't ask for much, but would you do us one favor? Would you tell just one person about this podcast? If you get any value whatsoever, all we ask, and we'd greatly appreciate it, is share the podcast with one person just like you.